0: Good morning, everybody. Nice to see you here today. Our key scripture this morning comes from the book of Luke, chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. Luke, chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. Which I'm sure this uh, parable is one of your favorite parables of Jesus. Then he told this parable, a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. And he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. So, maybe you're thinking what I was thinking when I uh, first read this parable. That's in the Bible. Uh, It's not one that is really talked about or uh, is given very much attention, but uh, you may not know this, but I am uniquely qualified to talk to you about this parable today. (laughs) Um, Because this parable is about growing things and about trees. Uh, I'm not from Santa Rosa, as you know. Most of you know I'm from Fresno, and in Fresno there are a lot of trees, uh, and those trees in the Fresno area, most of them are for growing things. Um, what further qualifies me to talk about trees is that we had like four or five on my parents' property growing up. So I'm just letting you know I've been around trees. Uh, okay, so will you just just accept my expertise? on this particular subject. Um, So there are some principles that I want to teach you about trees this morning, which it's gonna be new to you, so if you wanna get something out to write this down, go ahead and do that. Uh, So first, you might be asking, well, Bryce, what is a tree supposed to do? To which I would answer you, well, what kind of tree is it? (laughs) If it's just, if it's a fruit tree, all right, then what is the point of having a fruit tree? Good, I you know I kind of led you there, led you to the door. So I'm I'm glad you walked through it. You know I'm, I'm we're we're in a learning kind of mood this morning. A fruit tree is supposed to bear fruit. Uh, now w- you can have trees for all sorts of different reasons, but in places where you are actually growing food to eat, either for yourself or for others, a fruit tree is supposed to bear fruit. If the fruit tree does not bear fruit, then there is something wrong with it. Whatever it may be, I mean, maybe it's depressed and needs to go see a tree counselor. There's something going on, but if it's not bearing fruit, there is something wrong with that tree. Now, I know that's mind-blowing. Secondly, Okay, this this is important. So again, pay attention. What kind of fruit should it produce? Well, again, we have to answer a more important question, what kind of tree is it? So if it is an apple tree, what kind of fruit should it produce? Malia? Apples. She didn't even have to think about that. Like she just knew an apple tree, you must have had trees at your house as well. So If it's a fig tree, what kind of fruit will it produce? Okay, so you're with me, right? If it's a fruit tree, it produces fruit. And based on what kind of tree it is, it produces that kind of fruit. If it is not producing, well, let me just give you one more to to bring this home, okay? If you think it's an apple tree and it has oranges on it, are you wrong or is the tree wrong? You're wrong, right? Right? Because if it's producing oranges, what kind of tree is it? It's an orange tree. It's an orange tree. Uh, good. All right. We have learned something this morning, okay? We're good. We're good on that. Um, so a fruit tree is supposed to, to produce fruit. It is supposed to produce the fruit of the kind of tree it is. If it doesn't do those things and you have this tree in order to get fruit from it, what do you do with the tree? Water it. Well, what does the owner want to do with it? Cut it down. And he makes this really interesting statement. Did you catch it? Why should it use up the soil? <laughs> it's this soil could have another tree in it that could produce fruit. And if this tree is not producing fruit, then why are we having it use up this space? It is not good for anything. It is not doing what it is supposed to, so let's cut it down. And and then you have this other person who takes care of the trees, and what does this person say? Well, sir, we could cut it down, but why don't we give it one more year? Let me take care of the tree, and let's see if in a year the tree will produce fruit. If it does, then we'll keep it. But if it doesn't, then we'll cut it down. All right. In our spiritual lives, it can be difficult to look at ourselves in the way that this parable looks at the tree. But I want you to understand something very clearly. God intends for us to produce fruit. We are trees that are supposed to produce fruit. Fruit. And we are supposed to produce a certain kind of fruit because we are certain kinds of trees. If we are not producing fruit, then there is something wrong with us as a tree. And if we are not producing the kind of fruit that matches what kind of tree we are supposed to be then that tells us we're a different kind of tree than we might say we are. You with me? So how can we tell what kind of fruit we're producing? And what kind of tree are we? This morning, we're going to begin exploring that. And we're going to answer those questions. What kind of tree does God intend us to be? And what should the fruit look like? But the more interesting question, I think, for us this morning as we begin down, start down this road is just, do we know what kind of of fruit we're producing? Do we know what we're putting out there into the world? And are we putting out the kind of fruit that God wants us to? All right, it's time to dismiss Randy to Children's Church. There he goes. We spent a lot of time uh, this last fall uh, talking about the Holy Spirit. And in particular, we went through the books of, well, the chapters, I should say, of John, uh, chapters 14 through 16, and looking at all the different things that that Jesus uh, said about the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure that you remember everything we talked about over those 12 weeks, but for my benefit, uh, we're gonna review for just a moment. Um, Jesus had promised that uh, the helper, also called the paraclete, not the parakeet, uh, would come and serve a vital role in the life of his followers. Um, The helper would be the presence of God living with them, and he would be just, he would do all of the Jesus kinds of things that Jesus did, but he would take a different form. Uh, And instead of having Jesus walking beside them and telling them what to do, the Spirit, the Helper, would live inside of them, and they would never be alone or without the presence of God. Uh, The Helper would teach them and help them to remember everything that Jesus had said, uh, the Helper would testify to the world about who Jesus was and what Jesus had done, and he would testify to the disciples, to their own, their own hearts, so that they would be convinced of the truth of Jesus. Uh, the, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, would um, convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment so that when the disciples went out to tell people about Jesus, uh, hearts would be changed and people would be convicted of the truth. And you may remember that throughout those passages, Jesus most often refers to the spirit as the spirit of what? Who remembers? Who gets a gold star? Of truth. Right? It's the spirit of truth. Uh and, and we really focused on how uh how important that was to this, this group of people who had they had based their whole life around following Jesus and doing all these things uh, with Jesus, and 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 they'd given up everything to be with him. and And Jesus recognized how difficult it was going to be when he was crucified, which they didn't see coming, and and then he was going to go up to heaven. And so he he talked about how the Spirit was going to be the Spirit of Truth and help them to know without any doubt that Jesus really was the Son of God. So. There was, uh, right there, you know, there was 13 weeks of stuff in about three minutes. So um, that's like the Reader's Digest version on steroids. Uh, but all this is encouraging, and, and I know uh, so many of you spoke to me uh, during that time about how it's so wonderful that God uh, would give us the Spirit, and that all of these things are available to us. But we need to transition a little bit now. Um, and We need to start asking ourselves some more questions when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, um, because while all of that is really good and encouraging, there should have been questions, I hope, that came up in your own mind about, okay, great, so the Spirit does these things, it helps us, it reminds us, so now what? What does the Spirit do, and 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 how does it look in our lives? Um And if we are, because if we accept all that Jesus talked about, then it means that we are accepting that the spirit is not, remember this thing that we kind of put off in the corner for so much of our lives, maybe, but the spirit is totally active in our lives. So what are some questions that might have come up for you that I know have come up for me? Well, number one, what does it mean then to live my life in the spirit? Um, how do we come in contact with him? What does it look like to have the Holy Spirit working and active in my life, and, and how do I know that the Spirit is working and active in my life? Uh, what about spiritual gifts? I mean, the Bible talks about all these different things, like uh, speaking in tongues, or healing, or prophesying, or doing all this kind of stuff. Is, is that what it looks like or, or not? And again, I think it comes down to sort of this base question of if we're saying that the Spirit does all of these things inside of us and helps us and guides us and remembers, like all of that seems so... Um, stay with me here for a second. Uh, it seems so uh, insubstantial. And what I mean by that is it, it's, it's meaningful and it's deep, but what can I touch and like put my hands on and, and, and know... and this, I mean, I love the ideas that Jesus presented, but I also want to know in a more concrete way, like, what does this look like? What does this feel like? How does this work? Um, now, if you were to ask 10 different people some of those questions, what does it mean to live life in the Spirit? Uh, what does it look like to have the Spirit empower you? What is it, how can you tell if the Spirit is leading you? You might get 10 different answers. And there's a reason for that. Um, as we talked about in the previous series, we have a tendency to explain God things based on what what we know, and therefore, when we are trying to explain things that is kind of are kind of difficult, like the Holy Spirit, we tend to explain them based on what our own experience has been. Uh, for example. Let's just say uh, there are uh, the the newest uh, Star Wars movie just came out, and you might be aware of this, but Star Wars fans have opinions about Star Wars things. They do, they do, uh, and depending on sort of who you are, you know, you might have stronger opinions than others. So you could have a room full of people, right, that watched the same movie, that watched the Star Wars movie, and is everyone's experience going to be the same? No. Maybe uh, someone fell asleep during the movie. Maybe someone was bothered by the kid sitting in front of them. Maybe someone couldn't believe that the director made these choices about the story and how wrong this could be and all these other things. Well, with us too, so you could talk to everyone as they're coming out and maybe, oh, that was the greatest movie I've ever seen. Or I wish that I could get those two hours of my life back. And, and you sort of wonder, like, how were you both in the same room For the same thing. So the Spirit is is a little bit like that, and we have a tendency to explain what the Spirit does based on what our experience has been, which makes it so difficult when we start talking about what the Spirit looks like and how it works because um, there are different kinds of experiences with the Spirit that are out there, and not everyone's experience has been the same. Not everyone has experienced the Spirit in the same way. And this is where things get difficult when we start talking about the Holy Spirit. Because if if we're wanting to explain what it does based on our own experience, and someone else has had some sort of different kind of experience with the Spirit, well, we always want to jump to the same conclusion or ask the same question, which is what? Well, if your experience was this, and my experience was that, who is, who's right, and who's wrong? Because if I haven't experienced it this way, then that only leaves me with a couple of options. Either you're a dirty liar, or there's something wrong with me that I haven't experienced the Spirit in the same way that you have. Um, And this is challenging for us. If we accept that the Spirit does more than he's done in our own life, then we are sometimes left to question why our experience hasn't been more than it is. But let's establish as we leap into this what our baseline is for this discussion. Okay? So these are things that I think we can all agree upon as we get started here today. Uh, Number one the Bible makes it very clear that the Holy Spirit is active in our lives. Agreed? All in favor, say aye. Aye. There we go. Uh, But here's the second thing, okay? The Bible also makes it clear that we can know without any guessing or questioning when the Spirit is active and working in our lives. So, it's not just like we can know, yes, the Spirit does stuff. Well, how can you tell? I don't know. <laughs> That's not where the space we're supposed to live in. And God doesn't intend for us to live in that space. And I want to suggest to you uh, something this morning, and uh, this is not a new suggestion because we we talked about this before, but I think when it comes to, okay, What does the Spirit do and how can you tell that it's there and it's working and it's doing things? The problem is that too often we have jumped from the Spirit works and is active and we've jumped straight into spiritual gifts. And when you read the book of Acts, um, the spiritual gifts are really dynamic, which is why they draw our attention. You know, when the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost, what happens there's there's a huge wind, there's tongues of fire, people are speaking different languages and we can look at that story and say well we understand that God was doing this to draw people's attention. But that image sticks in our head. Um and it colors what we view how we view the Holy Spirit and what we think it is. And so this is why I think the conversation about the Holy Spirit has so often died, because it's come down to a nuts and bolts conversation about whether someone can speak in tongues, like, or whether someone can prophesy, or whether someone can heal. And it's turned to that. And, and the answer for most people, and certainly within our tradition, has been, well, no, no. Well, no, it's uh, you can't do this and you can't do that, and this, you know, it's not this and it's not that, and then the conversation, because we've said no, has just killed the conversation about the spirit itself. But I want to tell you something very important this morning, okay? Those spiritual gifts that you see in the book of Acts are actually not the primary work of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. They are not what the Holy Spirit is about. And they, speaking in tongues, prophesying, all those things, are not really the signs that the Holy Spirit is active in your life. So what are the signs then? Bryce, if you're saying like you can tell but it's not those things, then what are they? Well, I think that if we are going to better understand how the Spirit works in our life, a great place for us to start is to examine a metaphor that is often used in Scripture, um, and that is the metaphor of nature. More specifically, plants, trees, and how things grow. Lucky for you, as I told you this morning, I am an expert. I don't know if you have ever considered just how central of an image nature, plants, how things grow are to the Bible helping us understand our relationship with God. It is one of the, it's a go-to metaphor. Um, For example, from Psalm chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 3, Right, So the, the writer is not just going to go out and, and say this, but what is, what is the point that he wants to get across? I mean, the writer could have just said, uh, you need to know the law because it's going to help you be good. Uh, but that's, that's not what the writer says. Instead, the writer creates this image to help us understand the dynamic between someone who is with God and someone who is not. So he lays out this image of a tree that is planted by water. And because the tree is planted by water, what happens to it? It grows. It's healthy. It's strong. It it has a water source that is right there that it can draw from. And because it is right there by the water source, it can draw from this water source all the time. And that makes this tree healthier than what other kind of tree? A tree that is not next to the water source, okay? And so because it is plugged into the source, it is healthy and it yields fruit in season and it does not wither. So, this, I, what I love about this particular passage is that it encompasses a lot about what the Bible says and, and why it uses plants to help us understand um, our relationship with God. We, if we are the tree, where do we need to be? Next to the water. Why do we need to be next to the water? Because it's where we draw our strength from. And as the psalmist is talking about, what is the water? If we are the tree, what is the water? It's God's word. It's the law of God. And if you stay attached to the law of God, then what are you going to become? Healthy, strong, and you are going to bear fruit. So here's our uh, tree principle number one uh, for you this morning, okay? Okay. In order to be a good tree and to do tree kinds of things, you need to be connected to what it is that makes you healthy and strong. Make sense? Yeah. Now, we need to grasp onto that idea because it's an important one that you see repeated over over and over and over and over and over and over again all throughout the Bible. That idea of being something healthy and growing because you are connected to the source is repeated multiple times. And the people of God are referred to as plants, as seeds, as trees, as all different forms of things within the growing process. Um, So as much as we think we understand what this metaphor means, Bryce, you don't need to explain it to us. We are smart people. We had trees at our homes too. That may be, but I am an expert. And we have drastically undersold what all this means and how important it is. Um, Here's another example from John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. showing yourselves to be my disciples. Okay, so Jesus goes all in on the metaphor here, all right? And there are three basic characters within this story. There is God, and what is God's job within the story? To take care of kind of the whole situation. So God is, God is looking at everything, And he's identifying the parts of it that are dead and are not being useful. And what is he doing with those parts? He's cutting them off and putting them in the fire. He's also identifying the parts that are just not as healthy and need to be trimmed or reshaped. And he's taking care of that too. Now, all of that cutting off or trimming is happening in what part of this plant? The branches. It's all happening in the branches. Because all the branches are coming off of what? The vine. And this is the second part, the second character. The vine is who? Jesus. So the Father is taking care of the whole situation. The vine down the middle is Jesus. And then everything coming off of that are the branches. So there's us, there's Jesus, and there's God. Now, here's what's great, okay? What is the job of the branch? Your, your job is to stay connected to the vine, right? And uh, this is funny, all right? <laughs> I know, I know. Stay connected to the vine, and because you are connected to the vine, what will you do? You will bear fruit. Now, this is gonna become important for us later, but I want you to keep that in the back of your head. The job of the branch is not... To bear fruit. The branch bears fruit because it is connected to the vine and is healthy. And we know that's true because what can the branch not do? If it disconnects itself from the vine, what will it stop doing? It'll stop bearing fruit because why? It's gonna die. it does not have what it needs any longer in order to produce fruit. It produces fruit not because it's a branch. You take the branch off the tree, it's still a branch. It produces fruit because it is part of the vine. And the vine gives it everything it needs to produce fruit. You with me? All these things we think we understand about nature, and look at how much we're learning today. So, Jesus is the vine, we are the branch, and listen to what he says. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. When we disconnect ourselves from the vine, we dry out and fade. And again, a branch... Cannot do what it is supposed to do, which is bear fruit, if it doesn't stay connected to the vine. It is staying connected to the vine that allows it or enables it to fulfill its purpose, which is to bear fruit. There's more. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 5. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up, some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. So again we have a story of things growing. Uh, But this time instead of branches and vines and a tree, what is it? It's, it's seeds. And what does the seed need to grow? It needs good, primarily in this parable, it needs good soil. It needs to land in a place where it can grow. So in this parable, right, what, what is the seed? It's the word of God. It's what the kingdom is about. It's the gospel going out into the world. And who's going to hear it? Everyone's going to hear it. The, the, the seed in this story is just, you know, the, the sower is not paying attention to where the seed is going. I mean, he's throwing, the seed is going everywhere. The seeds are being spread all over the place. It's going into good soil, it's going into bad soil, but the thing that is going to ensure that it grows is whether or not the soil is good for growth, which reminds us of Psalm 1. Yeah? A tree that is planted by the water into soil. It reminds us maybe even of the story that we read this morning, the parable where the owner of the place goes and says, this tree is not bearing fruit. Why should it take up this dirt? And, and the worker says, well, let me take care of the soil. Let me, let me fertilize it. Let me get, you know, and, and let's see what happens next year. So we are compared to soil, plants, seeds, trees. Jesus knows how nature works. And when he looks at us, the best description of what the nature of our relationship with God is like is, in fact, nature. Growing, dying. Producing fruit, not producing fruit. Doing what you are supposed to do or not doing what you are supposed to do. Trees grow or they don't grow. They produce fruit or they don't produce fruit. There is healthy soil, there is unhealthy soil. Things are either becoming something and fulfilling what it is that they are, okay? Fulfilling what it is that they are or they're not. And when they are not fulfilling, the, doing what they are, what happens to it? it it's, it's dying. And so therefore it is thrown out, thrown away. Our relationship with God follows these same patterns. From Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 14, and then 20 through 21, this is the most famous fig tree story, uh, in the Bible, the next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing the distance, a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, "May no one ever eat fruit from you again." And his disciples heard him say it. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Okay, now this story is important for us to gain a little bit of context um, because it's, it's a story that is a little bit hard to understand. And if we're probably completely honest, we don't get what Jesus is doing in this story but let's break it apart a little bit to maybe help us understand a little better. Because on the surface, it seems like Jesus gets mad at a tree, but it wasn't time for the tree to produce, and then he kills it off when it wasn't even in season. I mean, what's the moral of the story? (laughs) Don't be a fig tree around Jesus, or like, what are we doing here? So, So what's going on? So Jesus comes in and he's hungry and he sees the fig tree. Now, for the base part of our conversation, what is one thing that a fig tree should do? It should make figs. Can it do other things? Yeah, it can provide shade. It can, you know, do these other things. But a fig tree exists within this story to do what? Now, Jesus looks at the tree This is the part I think we skip over. Jesus looks at the tree, and how does the tree look? It looks great. It's got leaves everywhere. It looks, by all intents and purposes, like a healthy tree. So, for me, I don't know when fig season is. Maybe you know. (laughs) I don't know when fig season is, but... So if I were to see this fig tree and know that it was a fig tree and I was hungry for figs, I would think, because it looks like a healthy tree, that I could walk up and a brother can get a fig. But he walks up and there are no figs. Okay? Now, this is where we want to say, well, yeah, but it wasn't the season for figs. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that it wasn't the season for figs. What matters is This is a fig tree that didn't have any fruit. And even though it looked perfectly healthy, there were no figs. And so Jesus curses the tree. Um, He wanted figs from the fig tree, and there were no figs on the fig tree. And the tree was not filling its most basic purpose, which was to do what? Provide figs. Now, whether you think this is fair or not is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. And honestly, it doesn't matter if you like what Jesus did or not either. The point is, the tree was cursed because it wasn't doing what it was supposed to do as a fig tree. And the tree, if it could have spoken in the story, could have said, Well, yeah, man, but it's not fig season, bro like I produced a lot of figs and now I'm just taking a break until it's time to produce figs again. Which Jesus would have responded, you're a fig tree. Give me some figs. A healthy tree, And, and so this is the one thing that we pull from this. If you are a healthy tree, then you will do what? You will bear fruit. You will bear fruit all the time. There is no season for you to bear fruit. As a healthy tree, you will bear fruit. Listen to what uh, he says here in Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by what? Its own fruit. People do not pick Figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. All right, last basic tree principle for us this morning before uh, we bring this home. We covered this earlier, but let's just do it one more time. Um if you are an apple tree, what kind of fruit will you produce? Apples. If you're an orange tree, what kind of fruit will you produce? Why? Because that's what you are. An apple tree produces apples because it is an apple tree. An orange tree produces oranges because it is an orange tree. That's what happens From the mouth of wisdom this morning, I know, I know. I hope you're taking notes because you're going to get to use this another time, I'm sure. We will bear the kind of fruit that matches what kind of tree we are. Okay? All right, so we've established some things here. A healthy tree has to be connected to a source of health. Uh, A fruit tree needs to bear fruit. Otherwise, it's just a tree. And it's not a fruit tree but a fruit tree bears fruit because that is what it's supposed to do. A branch bears fruit because it is connected to the vine, not just because it's a branch. It is connected to something and it bears that kind of fruit. And the fruit that comes matches what kind of tree or plant it is. So what does all this have to do with the Spirit? In Galatians, Paul was writing to people who were struggling to live the life that God had called them to. Um, and his message to them about how to start doing that. And you gotta keep in mind that a lot of these letters that um, that were written to these churches, these were written to people who were figuring things out for the first time. It's not like there were other Christians necessarily around them uh, like that could help them learn how to do these things. They're figuring it out as they're going. And it's why these letters become so important because they're written to communities that need help. Like, they literally don't know how to live a Christian life because Christianity is new. And so that's why these instructions are so important. But his message to them was simple, okay? If you are connected to God, you will live a certain way. And if you are not connected to God, then you will live another way. Here's how he puts it. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. All right, so basic premise here is what? There are two forces that are at play in your life. One he calls the flesh, and the other he calls the spirit. All right? These two forces are at play in your life, and they are um, pushing and pulling against you to try to get you to live a certain way. However, you cannot be sort of influenced by either. Why? Because they are in conflict against each other. So if you are following the ways of the flesh, by definition, you are not following the way of the Spirit because you can't, you can't do both. And to flip that coin, if you are following the lead of the Spirit, you are not following the ways of the flesh because they are at conflict with one another, and you can't do both of those things. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. illustrates, at least for me so well, how I have tried to put the Holy Spirit into the wrong context. I have most often, as I said earlier, lumped the Spirit into a category filled with spiritual gifts that I read about in the book of Acts. And I have most often looked for evidence of the Spirit um, in experiences that that are other and different. Um, Perhaps that image of tongues of fire and and people speaking in all these different languages has colored how it is that I have looked at that. And I've so I've said, without saying it, but I've thought that the Spirit has to do with tongues and prophecy and healing and miraculous signs. These things that I don't understand haven't been representative of my experience, and so because I put the spirit into this category, making him some sort of like cutesy addition to the Trinity, that's why it's been so easy to just put him away. And I've had long conversations with people about what the spirit can and can't do in someone's life and why it, it doesn't manifest in this way anymore. And, why, and, and what I've been left with, unfortunately, and maybe you can identify with this, is this insubstantial, vapory (laughs) theology that you can't touch for something that is supposed to be active and moving in my life. But Jesus made it clear in the book of John that the Spirit was going to be this relational tool, that it was going to do these things that that were going to help me not only stay connected to God, but to spread the gospel into the world. And then when I read this passage, I realize that it really is all about fruit. How do we know that the Spirit is active and working and moving in our lives? Well, we know We can know because if we are connected to the Spirit, then what else are we connected to? God and Jesus. And do we know what God and Jesus, do we know what they're about? We sure do. And are God, is God, is Jesus, are they about speaking in tongues and prophecy and other things? Well, that's not the point, right? Right? So why have I made it the point? Why have I made it the point? So when Paul talks to these people who are figuring it out, what it means, he doesn't tell them, can you speak in tongues, that's how you know God is with you. Or can you prophesy, that's how you know God is with you. Instead, what does he tell them? Your life is going to produce fruit. Here are all these kinds of things. This fruit is not from God. This fruit is from the flesh. It's from the world. And if this is how you're living your life, then it is the world, it is the flesh, that is influencing you and telling you what to do, and you're doing it. However, if you are led by the Spirit, then the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All right. So here's the point of this this morning. And this is the biggest adjustment I think we have to make in how we look at this passage, but also look at our relationship with God. All right? We have taken the fruits of the Spirit Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Yes, I'm just showing off that I know them all, but (laughs) you will too. Um, And we have turned those things into actions that we perform. I am going to be loving. Or I am going to try to have patience. Or I'm going to try to have peace. as As if I'm like signing up for peace activities. But that's not what Paul says is happening here. So what's happening? Well, we're connected to the Spirit. And because we're connected to the Spirit, what happens? We produce what? Fruit. Not because we're a branch, but because we're connected to the vine. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are not things that I do. And they're not activities that I take a part of. Instead, they are the fruit of the Holy Spirit changing who I am. And if I am someone who is connected to the Holy Spirit, that is what I will produce. Not because I planned it or worked it out, not because it's going to show how great I am, but it's because God is changing something inside of me to where I am loving, I am patient, I am kind, I am gentle. And when I start to think about it, it makes so much more sense Just think about that last one. Think about gentleness, right? You cannot invent gentleness within yourself. You can't manufacture gentleness. It's something that has to come from somewhere inside of you to where you even have the instincts to be gentle and to know when and how to use it. It's not something you can just do. And so if I am going to be led by the Spirit, then the Spirit will produce its fruit in me. It will change who I am. And as a follower of Jesus, being led by the Spirit, then I will become loving, joyful, good, kind, patient, peaceful, all of those things. Because I'm connected to the vine, to the source. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. You will. Because you're connected to the vine. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, whatever you think this morning about the spirit, about gifts, or anything else... I want to encourage you this morning, because this was not a discussion about what spiritual gifts people can have. It wasn't about that at all. But it does occur to me that we need to start thinking like trees. Um, how do we become the people that God wants us to be? How do we, how do we change and do things? And I, I am seeing so clearly in this this morning that I become the person that God wants me to be by letting him change me. By following his spirit and letting the spirit of God produce fruit in me to make me more loving and kind and good and faithful. The spirit then does so much more than just remind us of things and give us confidence and help us to remember what Jesus said and the Spirit gives us the freedom to live the life that God has always imagined for us. And it makes me wonder (laughs) how did I ever think I could become what God wants me to be without the Holy Spirit? I had it all wrong. And no wonder we spend so much time trying to be good or trying to be loving or trying to be caring on our own as if we were a branch disconnected from the vine. But I can still bear fruit. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> and that's not how God intended for things to be. We bear fruit because we are connected to the vine. We bear fruit because God's spirit is living inside of us. And we get to explore what all that means. Uh, And so I hope that as we go through this together over the next several weeks, um, that God, through his Spirit, will change us as well. That we can start to bear the fruit that shows what kind of tree we are. Amen? God, we thank you so much for your spirit that lives inside of us, that helps us, that guides us, that forms us. God, we want to be changed. We want to produce this kind of fruit. And God, help us to see this morning that that doesn't start by us trying to do more good things, but it starts in a moment of surrender. That we give up the lead to you and to your spirit. God, we want to show that we belong to you because we are producing the fruit that comes from you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we begin to just work on our hearts right now, God, even in this moment, that we would give up control to you that we would follow the lead of your spirit and that we would be changed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.